Hey, how you doing? Welcome to another episode of our Ignite City podcast. Hey, I wanted to take a little bit of time, um, and it's not part of our reading plan for this week, but just kind of some things that have been on my heart over the last few days especially, or the last month or so. Um, and it goes with the, the two recent mass shootings. Uh, there's still a war going on in Ukraine. Uh, it's so easy that some of these things can just kind of slip our minds until it, they're brought right back in front of us um, so strongly and without a welcome. Um, it's amazing how crisis never asks for permission. Um, but with, I mean, what do we do with this? And how do we as followers of Jesus make sense of this? And I think when, it, when we get to that question, how do we make sense of it? I don't know that we can. I think what we're seeing is uh, firsthand, and it's happened since the fall in Genesis 3, this is, the, re this is the, the result of the fall when sin entered into the world. Uh, even knowing Jesus saying, um, in this world you will have trouble. Uh, but then he gives this encouragement, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. But we're seeing it. I mean, think about it. The first thing that happened uh, that's recorded in Genesis 4 after the fall in Genesis 3 is the taking of one's life, to, the not, to take the taking of someone else's life, a brother who, who kills his brother. It just, it's, it's mind-blowing to me how quickly... Uh, humanity um, just went and was overcome and controlled by sin, and it still is. It's still that sin still wreaks havoc. Uh, but what do we do? Uh, so we can't make sense of it uh, because we see the results of the fall. And we'll get into what I think is. I actually think it's the most powerful thing that we can do. But when you think about it, both gunmen in both these shootings, one in Buffalo. Um, and now one in Texas, uh, 10 killed in a mass shooting in a grocery store in a, par a parking lot and inside the grocery store uh, needlessly. Uh, and in Texas, again, a needless massacre of 19 children and two teachers and both gunmen 18 years of age. I mean, just turned, quote unquote, adults. One, take, one of them taken into custody, the other was killed by law enforcement. And guys, my heart breaks as I watch these things. And so as I was thinking through, what do I share today, God? Uh, Psalm 73 was what popped into my head. Uh, and a few verses. I mean, when you get to the first verse, um, and we got to remember that Asaph, uh, he's, the, he's the leader of the Levitical choir. Um, he's the one who wrote Psalm 73. A lot of people, when they read the Psalms, they go, all of them are David. It's not true. Um, but the way that he starts off his psalm is so telling, and I think that we as followers of Jesus, we hold to this. Um, in verse 1, truly God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. And we could just look and say, okay, but God, we know that you're good. And I know during situations like this, or personal crisis that we've gone through as a family, or difficult situations and circumstances that we've had to endure, I've come back to this verse so often because I feel like it's God's way of saying, but what do you know? In the midst of everything that's going on, what do you know? What do you hold on to be true? And so Asaph starts off with what he knows. And he knows that truly God is good uh, to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. And we can, still, we, can, we can receive this as still applicable to us as followers of Christ. Truly God is good to those who are pure in heart. He's good. That when we know God, we, because God has changed us and we see his goodness, we know that God is good. 
And then right after that verse, verse 2, But as for me, my feet had almost stumbled, my steps had nearly slipped, for I was envious of the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. In other words, he just started to complain. And he says, I know that God is good, but this is what I'm struggling with. And so maybe for some um, of you that are listening, you might still you might have that feeling like, I know God is good, but this doesn't make sense. Or you're struggling with the goodness of God when things like this are happening. And here's the thing, things like this are happening all over the world all the time. I mean, tragedies and crises, and it's not just the, the things that are happening here, but around the world. Guys, this is brokenness. This is the brokenness of humanity that Jesus came to, to heal and to change things. And so I'm, th- I'm so thankful when we get into Psalm 73, we see the honesty of a person who loved God and followed God. We see his honesty with, I know, God, you're good, but this is where I'm struggling. And I, I guess I just want to remind us that it's fine for us to say, okay, God, I know you're good, but I don't get this. Or I'm really struggling with this and how things are happening and why why did this have to happen or why did you allow this to happen? Or, And friends, all those why questions, I don't think that God is offended by the why questions. But let's start with, okay, God, I know you're good. And I know it's hard to really even admit that at times when things like this happen. But what else are we going to hold on to? we got to hold on to the certainty of who God is. And so when you continue to read through Psalm uh, 73, when you get to verse 16, um, he said this, But when I thought how to understand this, it seemed to me a, it seemed to me a wearisome task. And so again, we can look and go, why did this have to happen and why? And we have all these why questions that can become overwhelming to us. And he's expressing that from verses 2 through about 15 or so. But, so he's just saying, okay, all these things, I'm trying to figure these things out and I don't get it. And verse 16 again, but when I thought how to understand this, again, how do we make sense of this? It seemed to me a wearisome task. This is bigger than just one aspect of this problem. Uh, this is so much bigger uh, when, like sin and how it affects people and the things that we do because of it. Um, God, guys, it's, we got to remember this is so big. And so when we start thinking of why did this have to happen and who do we blame and who shouldn't be blamed and, um, and what is the government doing and why aren't they doing more? And, um, and it seems like when you have two 18-year-old kids that maybe there's, uh, there were some mental health problems and they moved forward or there's racism that's pushing one. And guys, I don't know all the answers and I don't even know all the circumstances of this, but we can just look and go, okay, so why? God, why? And it becomes wearisome to us. In verse 17, he continues, he says, Until I went into the sanctuary of God, then I discerned their end. Until I went into the sanctuary of God. And so he's saying all these things I'm trying to figure out and why is this happening until I went into the sanctuary of God or until I went into the presence of God. And maybe the thing that we need to be reminded of is to go into the presence of God, to go before him in prayer, honest prayer, honest and raw with how we're really doing and seek the Lord who is good and seek the Lord and what it is that he's doing. And But to pour out our hearts of brokenness and frustration and anger and fear and to present them before God because there was something that happened. He says it was a wearisome task until I went into the sanctuary of God. And when into the presence of God, he discerned something. He discerned their end, those who were against God. When you see in verses 2 to to 15, um, what Asaph is saying there is 
uh, those who seem like they're against God and anything godly. He's like, but then I, 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 I understood. There was an answer that was given. And maybe for some of this, we need to pause long enough and just pray. We go before the Lord who is good. And we ask God, I don't understand this. And we pour out our hearts. And what if God, what if God will do the exact same thing for us and give us some discernment? He continues down in verse 21. He says, when my soul was embittered, when I was pricked in heart, I was brutish and ignorant. I was like a beast towards you. He's speaking to God. He said, this is how I treated you because I was so overwhelmed with bitterness, with everything that was going on. I was brutish and ignorant, like a beast, like a beast towards you. And then he says in verse 23, and I think in verse 21 to 22, we see this honesty. Like he went before God honest. He said, I was embittered. I was brutish, like a beast before you, just screaming out before God. And then verse 23, nevertheless, it's almost like in spite of everything in verse 22 and 20, I'm sorry, 21 and 22, nevertheless, I am continually with you. You hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel, and afterward you will receive me to glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. For behold, those who are far from you shall perish. You put an end to everyone who is unfaithful to you. But as for me, like when you get to verse 27, it sounds, oh my gosh, like what do I do with that? We allow God to be judged. God is judged. God is righteous and God is right and good. It is all based upon him and his will. But as for me, like that's what I should, and that's how I should be approaching things. It's like, I don't understand these things. Uh, I don't know what's going on. I'm like a beast before you. I've poured out my heart. Nevertheless, I know these things to be true. It's like you start with verse one. I know that God is good. Verse 23, I'm continually with you. I know this. You hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel. Afterward, you'll receive me to glory. And he's like, okay, but I'm coming back to you. Why? Because verse 28, but for me, it is good to be near God. I think the New American Standard translates that, the beginning of that verse, the nearness of God is my good. In other words, God wants to be near us. It says, I've made the Lord my refuge, that I may tell of all your works. I've made the Lord my refuge, that friends, we can't place our hope and trust on anyone else on the planet or anything else on the planet or any institution. We base, we like we... We make the Lord himself our refuge. It's about him. Why? Why is God our refuge that we may tell of all of God's works? And so what do we do? And when I read this and I pray it's an encouragement to be honest and raw before God, praying that the Holy Spirit would give us discernment um, and wisdom and meekness, uh, quiet strength uh, to continue to move forward and how it is that we can do what I think is is necessary in times like this. And so what do we do? I think the first thing we do is we pray. We pray for the victims, uh, the victims' families. We pray for, the, we pray for everyone who's had to go through loss un, uh, in these situations and around the world. But when you think of the shootings that have just recently happened, we want to pray for the, the victims' families and friends. We want to pray for all those who were there that they didn't die. They were wounded, but or didn't die or weren't wounded, but saw it all happened and all the experiences that they're that they've had to go through and go through since. We want to pray for them. We do want to pray for government leaders to make wise and right decisions that they would look at this 
that they would look at this issue and say, what is the best thing for our for our people, our nation? And guys, I don't pre- I don't pretend to have the answers. We want to pray for wisdom, um, for what's best and what it is that God actually wants. And the third, I think we need to pray for a movement of God's spirit to bring about revival in our world. We want to see God do great things, and we should want to see people changed by Jesus. And for some, maybe you listen to this, they say, no, enough prayer. And I say, there's never enough prayer. I'm convinced the most powerful thing that we can do is pray, because we're going to the most powerful being in the, in the universe. There's no, there's no one or nothing like God, and we're going to him and praying. Think about it. Like, we can pray for these victims' families. We can bring them before the God of the universe and trust that God is working. And God is responding to prayer. We can pray for government leaders, and we pray that they would receive wisdom to make right decisions, uh, to listen on both sides of the aisle, and listen to come to some conclusion that's right. And then a movement of God's Spirit to bring about revival. And as God, as we trust that God will do that, we continue, the next thing I think we do after we pray is we continue to love people well. We should want to see people loved well. We should, we should want to see people included in community and appreciated and loved and cared for. We should want to do that. We should look for ways to, to help those who seem like they've been ostracized or oppressed. We should look f- for ways to love those who are victims and to, bring, uh, to help bring about justice how we can on our end. We should want to love those with no voice. We should want to love those who are going through crisis that is so devastating and trying to meet physical needs and ultimately connecting it to the gospel, but wanting to meet their physical needs because that's what Jesus would do. We want to be like Jesus on the earth, for that is why he left us the church here, to love people well. And then to the last, I think we do this. First, we pray. Second, we love people well. And third, we as followers of Jesus, that's when I say what we do, As followers of Christ, we continue with the mission to make disciples who make disciple makers. We need to continue fulfilling the Great Commission. And here's why I'm convinced that as people come to Christ, the Holy Spirit works his process of sanctification in every follower of Christ. And to see people that are freed from sin and brought into relationship with God, and to see God change them, that the Holy Spirit would indwell in us, those of us who are followers of Jesus, and when he indwells us, when we surrender to Christ, he then changes us, that we'd be filled by the, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and gentleness, and self-control. Friends, if we had every person uh, filled with those attributes, the fruit of the Spirit, everything would look different. We want to continue with the mission of making disciples so the Holy Spirit would begin to change the lives of more and more people as they, as they, as they begin their walk of following Christ, uh, being, changed, being changed. The old has gone, the new has come, according to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We want to continue. So we pray, we love people well, We continue to make disciples and we trust the Lord. We go back to him. Verse 28, Psalm 73, and I'll finish it with this. But for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the Lord God my refuge that I may tell of all your works. Friends, I love you more than you know. And we'll talk soon.